to the Fantasy's Finest Fantasy Football Podcast. Here are your hosts, William Spencer, Jalen McQueen, and Mark Carter. Yeah, what is going on, Fantasy World? It's time for another episode of the Fantasy's Finest Podcast. We have one more day left. This is... Now, I'm recording on Tuesday in preparation for a Wednesday drop. But by the time this podcast drops, we're going to be literally hours away from football, from actual football. The Houston Texans play the Chiefs on Thursday night. I know everybody is waiting for that. Not just the game, but just having football back as a whole, because it's something that we been looking forward to for a long time you know it was very skeptical about sports coming back you know everybody was a little bit uh, jittery about it you know because of how you know everything is conducted during the year and now you have to deal with covid and the pandemic and all these things that factor against football actually coming back but now we have it now we're going to be able to watch football this season as long as the players are able to stay cool and and be preventative and taking measures seriously to not contract the virus, or if they do contract it to not spread it to other teammates and players and coaches and all that stuff, we could actually have a full season of football. Now, I don't, I don't know what that means for you, but for me, football is one of the biggest things. This is one of my favorite sports to watch. And it's not just because of the game. It's not just because I'm a Cowboys fan and I root for my team and I like watching them. But it's being able to talk trash with your friends, you know, because, of course, I live in Philly, like I said. But all my friends, most of my friends are Eagles fans. So this is something that we get to enjoy together. And we kind of hate it at the same time because we hate on each other. But it's just fun. And then you encompass fantasy football with that and you have your drafts and all your leagues and all the preparation that you've made this is exciting and i cannot wait to see this game on thursday i don't know about you but like i'm trying not to jump out of my chair and into this mic to tell you how hype i am for this game how i how hype i am for this season and for fantasy season so i'm gonna i'm gonna taper it down let's get into this podcast you know we're gonna get into the, our divisional breakdown for the NFC West. Um, it's just me this episode. Uh, Jalen and Mark couldn't make it because of some scheduling issues, but they're going to be back for our next couple episodes. And I let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We're going to have a special guest for one of our upcoming episodes, which is why we didn't normally post um, our episode on Tuesday. We pushed everything back. So you're going to get an episode Wednesday, you're going to get an episode Thursday, and you're going to get a special episode on Friday with our special guest. Now, I'm not going to say anything else. If you've seen the article posted on thefantasiesfinest.com, I've already given away a hint. If you want to check it out, be my guest, but I'm not telling you anymore. Like, I'm very excited for this person to be coming on to our show. You know, we're up and coming. We're not really known like that, but we are trying to make sure that we're a part of the fantasy community. And, you know, we want to share. We want to help people win their leagues. And we want to be a part of that fantasy community. We want to get in there. 
And for this person to come in on our show means a lot to me. But I'm not going to talk about it anymore. So if you want to know more, check out the article on thefantasiesfinest.com. You can peep the hint. Maybe you can get it. Maybe you're not. I'm not answering no questions. So if you send me stuff on Twitter and be like, oh, well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I'm not telling you. The only way you're going to find out is if you listen to the show on Friday. That's it. I'm not telling you nothing else. So if you haven't subscribed now, please do get that out the way. So that way you're, you get the alerts when the show drops. I can't say no more. I mean, unless something happens and they, you know, scheduling is not where it's supposed to be. That's the only way I can say that this isn't going to happen because I've gotten a green light. So, you know, you know, I'm excited. So just subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy's Finest. If you haven't been doing it now, you need to do it right now. You need to hurry up and go open up another window on your phone. Click subscribe. Listen to the podcast. Check us out. Leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts. Leave us some stars. You know, tell us what's up. But as far as I know, right now we got the green light. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into the divisional breakdown for the NFC West, it's time for the news. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, first up, Mike Garrarolo reported that the Washington football team released um, Adrian Peterson last Friday. Um, He hit waivers, and then he got signed to the Detroit Lions for about just over $1 million on a one-year deal. I did not see that coming. I was actually hoping that he was going to land with um, Jacksonville after – the news came out that Devontae Freeman had left um, Jacksonville without a deal, which is kind of, I'll speak on that real quick. Devontae Freeman, I'm not sure if he's trying to get more money to sign with a team, but to me, Jacksonville was a perfect opportunity for him to get in there, get get back his status as a number one running back. And when I mean number one, like he's a starting running back, he can handle the workload, he can be effective in offense and all that stuff. To not sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who basically need a starting running back because we don't know what uh, Devin Azigbo can do and James Robinson. We don't know what they can do, but we've seen Devontae Freeman on the field, so we know what he can bring to a team. Now, we don't expect the Jacksonville Jaguars offense to light up the world right now, but if you're going to get your face back in there, show the league that, yo, I still got it, what better opportunity than Jacksonville? Because where else are you going to go? The Patriots? Yeah, you could end up there, but we all know how Belichick run. He's going to shuffle run, running backs in and out of the in and out of the game. Use them situationally. Yo, if this week we're going to use Sony Michelle, this week we're going to use Devontae Freeman for fantasy, that's not really good. For reality, I don't see how it could be much better because you're constantly being moved in and out. So to me, Jacksonville was the best landing spot for him. But back to Peterson, I was hoping he was going to land there because he would have been the, I think he would have been the bona fide uh, number one running back there. 
over uh, Robinson and Azigbo. But he ended up in Detroit. Um, this is uh, a little messy, but, you know, right now they're dealing with injuries. Uh, DeAndre Swift is hurt. He's got a leg injury. So you don't know if he's going to be able to start week one. Um, Carrion Johnson, you know, I'm sorry to say he gets hurt every year. So you it's only a matter of time before that trigger is pulled. So you have to bring in a running back who's at least going to be able to stabilize your running back group. And the fact that he knows uh, offensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Daryl Bevel kind of lends into probably why they picked him up in the first place, because they're familiar with each other. The offense isn't going to be that much different. And Adrian Peterson can work with that. He remember he, Bevel was with Adrian Peterson back in his Viking days. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on as you move forward. Uh, after week one, you see how they kind of move things around week one and you see how DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson and Adrian Peterson all shake out because Swift had injury concerns coming into the league. Carry on has injury concerns right now. So maybe Adrian Peterson could be a name we be talking about on waivers on a waiver wire down the road, but who knows right now? It's going to be a full-blown committee. It's going to be uh, Johnson versus Peterson for snaps and carries. And we just got to wait and see how that shakes out. Now, big money news. Deshaun Watson and the Texans agreed to a four-year extension worth $160 million with $111 million guaranteed. The total worth of this dude's contract is $177,000,054, according to NFL, NFL insider Adam Schefter the second highest paid QB in the NFL that marks him about at 40 million a year. Now me being a Cowboys fan, the first thing I heard was cha-ching Dak Prescott going to get paid. It's, it's too late now. Jerry should have upped that money to 36, 37 million to sign Dak. Now you gotta, you gotta pony up. You can't tell Dak. Well, you know, we're going to, we're only going to give you 38 million. We're going to give you 38 million. No, it's too late for that. It's too late, but this is a big deal for Deshaun Watson. Um, I think he's totally earned it. It's going to be a little harder this year without having your number one wide receiver, Deandre Hopkins with you. But I think Watson is more than talented enough to get the job done. Um, in fantasy, I do have him lower on my rankings, I think he still finishes at a, as a top 10 quarterback. Um, it's just when you don't have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins throwing the ball to, I can't really see him being, you know, in the top five. He does run with the ball, which is going to give him a good floor. But your weapons are Will Fuller, who hasn't played a full season in forever. Randall Cobb is a good talent, but he's a slot wide receiver. And then you have Brandon Cooks, who they've been who they've been saying that they're going to ease in uh, to the season. And then you have Kenny Stills and maybe uh, the other guy. The other guy escapes me right now, but you don't have a number one option. These all all these guys are wide receiver twos for the most part. So it's going to be interesting to see how Deshaun Watson navigates that. Another guy who got paid this year, this uh, past weekend. Kenny Allen, not Kenny Allen, Keenan Allen, the Chargers and him 
have agreed to a four-year, $80 million contract extension, making him the second-highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. That's probably... I have to I have to double check and see where it is now because before I came on to record, DeAndre Hopkins got paid. So I got to check and see where that falls in. Hopkins has a deal worth is a two year deal worth fifty four point five million dollars on top of his three years that's still remaining on his contract, which gives him about sixteen point five million a year. Now, right now, he's fourth or fifth among wide receivers right now according to sport rack all this crazy i'm not gonna get back into the cowboys thing but a lot of players are getting paid on extensions and this is something that could have happened with Dak prescott that's all i'll say but this is great news for keenan allen the chargers trust him he's the number one wide receiver over there he has tyrod taylor throwing to him i'm not excited about that but maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe tyrod shows out this year and Keenan Allen shows that he's definitely worth the money this year, even with a lower end quarterback. Um, well, I guess you could say he's been he's had a lower end quarterback because Phillip Rivers was not good last year at all. Staying in the Chargers camp, Mike Williams is expected to miss most of September per the athletics. Daniel Popper Williams injured, injured his shoulder during practice, damaging his AC joint. And it's expected for him. He wasn't going to start week one. They're trying to be optimistic about it, but it's not like that. It's not likely that he's going to be able to start out there. So if you had Mike Williams on your fantasy team, you can probably throw him on a bench or look on waivers for a better option. Finally, in Philly, there's some shenanigans going on. The Eagles were rumored to be trying to trade Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Eagles reporter Jeff McLean reports that the foot injury plus the $9.91 million base on his contract probably makes that not something that's going to happen. Later, Howie Roseman came out to refute those reports, stating that they've talked to him, Alshon, and that he wants to win in Philadelphia. I can see them trying to move on from Alshon because that contract does not look good since they gave it to him. Um, But you can't be serious about trying to move a guy who's still injured and he's getting paid that much money. Now, if if you're a GM, are you really checking for Alshon Jeffrey? Are you kicking the tires on Alshon Jeffrey? I want to say that the report is capped, but the Eagles do have a motive for trying to get rid of him. You know, you still got to get out from under that contract. You got to free up some money. They have a, a big cap hit coming next season. They're going to be in the red. Now, I don't know how much magic, how we can work to get out from that negative uh, salary cap that they're going to be in. But one of them would have to be to move on from Alshon Jeffrey. How he's going to do it? I don't know. I am not a cap expert. You know, I'll leave that to the experts, the analysts that do that kind of thing. I just try and cover the report and see what's going on. But I don't know. They talking, you know, they talk one way and then do something else. How he comes out and says, oh, well, you know, we're not trying to trade him. And I'm you giving him the side eye like, mm-hmm, okay, you got a reason to do it. Alshon ain't getting no younger. That contract isn't getting any better. Maybe you should try and find a partner. Maybe you could talk to the Jaguars. They seem to be doing a lot of stupid stuff lately. So, <laughs> But that'll wrap it up for our news. Now, let's get into the divisional breakdown. 
for the NFC West. Divisional Breakdown, the NFC West. Now, we're going to start off with the San Francisco 49ers, the division champs from last year, appearance in the Super Bowl. They finished 13-3 and last year. They looked, they looked tough. Running game and defense was really good last year, one of the best rushing attacks, attacks and uh, defenses in the league, both in the top 10. But when you look at, when you take a closer look, you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the lead guy. And when you look over his numbers, he did finish the uh he did finish the QB 14 on the season. But when you look at his games, did, were they really inspiring? You know, did it feel like he was a top 15 quarterback in fantasy last year? He did have two good games. Uh he crushed uh the Saints and the Cardinals in one of them. He had over 300 yards and a and a few touchdowns. But like on a regular was he a guy that you were starting week in and week out? Mm, probably not. And then you have to ask yourself, is he one of those quarterbacks that you're waiting waiting for in the later rounds if you don't draft a QB early? Are you taking Jimmy Garoppolo? For me, I kind of say, I have to say no. I'm not looking at Jimmy. Um, I don't think he throws enough um, to be a viable candidate like that. Like, he only had four hundred and six. He only had four hundred and seventy six attempts last season, that ranked nineteenth in the NFL. Now he did crack. He did almost crack four thousand yards. He finished twelfth and he threw twenty seven touchdowns, which is good. But it's like, are you throwing enough touchdowns to be consistent? Remember those two games I mentioned. He had to throw like, uh, I believe like four, three or four touchdowns in those games or more, in those two games against the Arizona Cardinals and the Saints. Now I could be wrong, but. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it didn't feel like you were getting production from him on a weekly basis to be like, yeah, I got to have Jimmy Graham on my uh, Jimmy Garoppolo on my team. Not Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's a tight end. But I don't know his his he didn't take that many shots downfield. Uh, he ranked 29th in deep ball attempts. He did rank uh, first in the NFL among quarterbacks with uh, the completion percentage, but he only threw 36. So it's like, okay, he is hitting them when he's throwing deep, but he's not taking enough attempts. And, you know, you look at the wide receivers, you kind of know why. You know, he's he's been shown to be able to hit uh, George Kittle on a deep ball too. But the attempts plus the low attempt percentage, um, not the attempt percentage, but the lower attempts on both his deep balls and his overall, it's not really a good good fit for me i'm looking for if i'm looking for a quarterback and i'm waiting i'm looking for high volume in passing higher attempts and deep balls and you you know you may ask well why you keep bringing up the deep ball because in fantasy those are chunk plays more points if i'm dinking and dunking down the field the only one that benefits is the wide receiver in ppr if i'm looking i'm looking for a quarterback who's going to be throwing the ball 500 plus at least those are the kind of quarterbacks that I'm looking for, you know, in a later, in a late, late rounds, you maybe Ben Roethlisberger, if he stays healthy, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, you know, those are the, the kind of guys that I'm looking for later on in rounds. You know, you, you know, Mahomes, I'm expecting Lamar to throw a little bit more this season. Dak Prescott. That's why they're up. That's why they're ranked in the top five. Kyler Murray. I think he can do it. 
He got DeAndre Hopkins is, is happy and paid, and he don't want to go anywhere. Those are the guys that I'm expecting to throw 500-plus passes or more. Russell Wilson, he's cracking over 500. It doesn't seem like a lot, but he's one of the top wire, uh, quarterbacks in the league. Those are the kind of guys I'm looking for. When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't get that feeling. So, I don't know. I can't I can't consciously advocate for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, let's move on to the running back position. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon are going to be your three-headed monster. Now, if you had to pick between those three guys, who are you targeting? I'd have to go, you have to go Raheem Mostart, right? Because he's shown, despite having only 137 attempts this year, carrying the ball, he's been more effective than the other two guys. McKinnon's just coming back from injury. Tevin Coleman showed you why he can't really be relied on as a number one. He's a good, you know, he's a good guy who can come in and change the pace of the game. But overall, Moster is the guy. He in camp he's reported as looking better than the other running backs, which you know bodes well for him. But you know that Kyle Shanahan is going to try and shuffle things around. Hopefully, Moster has proven enough that he's the guy that deserves the most work out of that running back trio. And he's not a bad pass catcher either. But they're likely going to rely on Jarek McKinnon for that pass catching role. You know, in the any event that they start shuffling people around. It's kind of annoying. I'm not a fan of running back by committees. If you've been listening to the show, you should probably you probably picked up on that by now. But if I have to pick one guy I'm going to target, it's got to be Mostert. Mostert did have a pretty decent season. He had 700 over 700 yards rushing, averaged 5.6 a carry, and had 10 total touchdowns. So to me, if I'm Kyle. I'm like, yo, all right, Mostar has shown he's my guy. I want to give him a rock. I just don't – you you know you want – when you look at a running back by committee, you want the guy to be the guy. Like you want to see – you want to see what the coach sees or you want to see what you see. I, I'm trying to <laughs> – I'm trying to word it the right way. But what you see, you hope the coach sees, you know, that this is the guy. He's legit. So – you know, the only thing that we can hope for is that, you know, Kyle Shanahan relies more on Mostert than he does with the other guys. Now, the wide receiver position is something of a, a cluster bomb because you have Debo Samuels. They brought in a rookie, Brandon Ayuk, from uh, the 2020 draft. Dante Pettis is still lingering around, but everybody else is banged up. They've had injuries across the board in that core, Debo being one of them. Um, they recently just took him off the NFI list. So he he won't start on a pup. He won't be out for six weeks. Hopefully he can start, but, you know, he's still got some hurdles to cover. Um, it's not – I don't know what the word is on him right now. Hopefully he can start on week one because you do need um, a wide receiver out there. Both him and Brandon Ayuk were dealing with injuries um, in the offseason. Uh, Ayuk's normally – not normally, but they came through camp. So you're just getting a guy who's been out, who's missed most of the training camp in Debo Samuels, and you're getting a rookie who didn't really participate in training camp either. And to make it worse, the training camp was abbreviated. 
So if you're picking, if you're looking to pick somebody, you can hopefully grab Debo in the later rounds of your draft and just stash him and hope that he comes back uh, sooner rather than later. Um, as far as IU goes, he's talented and the lack of pa- other pass catchers makes him ideal, but you don't know what's going on with him right now. If he starts week one, that's great. He's likely going to be on the waivers though. So if you are looking to pick him up, you better do so now and just stash him on your bench. Um, but that's a risk there because he's a rookie in an offense that doesn't really pass the ball that much. So you got to make a that's that might not be a tougher, tougher call as another as picking up another rookie would be. And I don't think we really have to get into what George Kittle can do. Um, he's likely going to be the guy that is going to be the number one pass catcher in the 49ers offense. He's just he was the tight end too last season. He is that dude. Like George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league. So, you know, you're going to have to pick him within the first three rounds. I've seen George Kittle go in my own home leagues in the first two rounds. So you can't really welch on him. The third round is probably going to be at a minimum that you're going to get a guy like George Kittle. And they brought in Jordan Reed. Um, He's, you know, his reputation has not been great as far as injuries go. Um, but they could run some more two tight end sets and get him involved in the game. I wouldn't recommend picking him up for fantasy because we both know that sooner or later he's going to fall from injury. So it's not something that you, you want to gamble on when there's so many other tight ends who have a better opportunity to get the ball than risking it, risking it all for, you know, Jordan Reed. Ew. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Now let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. They finished 11, 11 and five last season. Uh, total offense ranked eighth in the league, fourteenth in the pass, uh, fourth rushing. Mister Unlimited. <laughs> I don't know what Bull was thinking when he did that. It was, it was amusing when he did it. Uh, he got clown for it on Twitter. It was just like, I, he's trying to be cool. He's got that awkward, that awkward cool vibe. Like I bang with it because I've been there. You know, but I it, Russell Russell's probably that dude that you hang with and he's just like real cool, but you know he's kinda corny, but he's still a good friend, so it's like you keep him around like that that's the kind of vibe Russ gives me. Like he seems like a really genuine good dude. He just he tries to be cool and it just it doesn't make him look cool. It's not what he's it's not what he's getting. He's not getting what he's putting out. But it's just funny to watch. But you know that that man on the field, football field, he's a bad man. He finished QB three last season, twelfth uh, in attempts, sixth at yards. Um, his completion percentage was in the, was ranked fifteenth, thirty one touchdowns. Like this ball, get it done. Plain and simple. If we could get Pete Carroll to take the chains off, so to speak, and let Russ throw a little bit more. Can you imagine how much more dangerous he would be? He's ranked in the top 10 in fantasy the last three years. Every season, they go to the playoffs because of him. He's playing behind one a bad offensive line almost every other year. And he still gets the job done. It's like, you got to let Russ throw the ball a little bit more. He should be cracking about 600 attempts just because he's that good as a passer. Why him, why Pete Carroll and 
Schottenheimer don't get it is beyond me. They're insistent on running the ball, and I get it. The running game has been one of the best in the league, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you have a quarterback who you pay big money to to get the ball downfield. He can do it. He's got weapons now. You know, and I, I'm I don't want to jump ahead. We're gonna get into the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and that whole situation, but Russell Wilson is one of the best passers in the league. You gotta let him throw the ball. If you let him throw the ball, even both reality and fantasy, Russell Wilson is undeniably a top five quarterback. Not a top five quarterback, but you're like, uh, when you pick him, because you know they don't throw that much. Like he he cracked. 500 with 516 attempts but it's like uh, you know russ does throw the ball really well but he just doesn't do uh, you don't want that you when you hit that when you hit that draft button you want to be like yeah i got me i got me the guy that's who i got russell wilson is the guy and he's shown it he's had big games last season but you just want him to throw the ball a little bit more and they have a run game that they can rely on chris carson He's not bad. I don't see why people. I mean, I get why they kind of show him shade because he gets hurt every year. But he's finished. He finished the top twelve running back last season. He was twelve, over a thousand yards, over four yards per carry, seven touchdowns. He's a good running back. He gets the job done. Like he's a solid RB two. Undeniable, a solid RB two. I wouldn't have any problem picking him up in fantasy. If he falls to me or if I get a, if the guys that I have ahead of him, I can pick up. I don't have a problem with Chris Carson. It just people just don't like him because, you know, he gets he gets banged up. And I think he probably gets banged up at the worst possible time when you need him the most. Like he'll carry you through the season. And then all of a sudden in the playoffs, you're like, Where, where's my guy up? Oh, he's got a hip injury. He's out. <laughs> and I, I kind of get why people are frustrated with him. But. You know, with Rashad Penny starting on the pup list, he's going to miss the next six weeks. Carlos Hyde is behind him. He's not better than Chris Carson. Carlos Hyde is just insurance just in case Chris Carson gets hurt. That's about it. So the backfield belongs to Chris for at least six weeks. And you know they're going to try and get cute and work Rashad Penny in. That doesn't work. Or it hasn't worked. The running game as a whole for Seattle works. But Rashad Penny... He's the Robin to Chris Carson's Batman. That's just what it is. Now, I know you you have to give Chris Carson some some spell time because, like we already mentioned, he does get banged up a lot. But he should see he should continue to see the bulk of the work in that offense. Now we slide over to the wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Those are your one and two guys. DK Metcalf showed you how great how great he can be once he gets his feet wet in the NFL. You know, they kind of dialed it back for him a little bit. They didn't give him too many routes. But the routes he had, them goals, he's streaking down the field, he's burning dudes. He should not be that big and that fast. But he's getting the job done. I Nobody will give me credit for it, but I called DK Metcalf last year. You don't believe me? Go look at our very first episode. I know it's horrible to listen to because of the audio. <laughs> That's just being real. But he was one of my he was one of my guys coming out of the rookie class um, in 2019. He was. I he was just he was a freak 
athlete. Size, speed, hands, he had it all. But he just, he was downplayed as far as his route running. It looked awkward to people. So that's probably why he got shade. And then he bust out with 907. So if that's the biggest aha, it, it belongs to DK. And they're expecting him, to, he's going to get more work this year. He should get more work this year. Him and Tyler Lockett are pretty decent wide receivers when you look at what they're, what, what, what other options there are in that offense. Those are the guys. Lockett himself finished the wide receiver 13. He had over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. He was catching some freaky nasty stuff. I, I can't remember who they played, but he caught a he caught a touchdown in the back of the end. I think it was against the Rams. He caught a touchdown in the back of the end zone in the corner at the very edge of the end zone. And he got fo- both feet down. How? That was it was just nasty. I gotta look at that. I gotta find that clip and I'll post it on Twitter on my account. But those are your one and two guys. They're gonna see over a hundred targets or more between the both of them. Now, they did make some news um, this offseason. They were clamoring about bringing back uh, Josh Gordon. He really wanted to stay in Seattle and be with the team. The team reciprocated. You know, they want him back. He's likely going to be their wide receiver three. They did re-sign him to a one-year deal. But he's still not back in the NFL. Roger Goodell has not said that he can come back to the league. He's still, uh, he still hasn't been reinstated. So until that happens, and we don't know whether they're going to throw him, throw some games at him either, I, I don't see that happening because he's asking for reinstatement. It's not like Antonio Brown's situation. Um, so I wouldn't expect him. I would be shocked if they gave him, you know, games for some reason. He's already been out for over over a year or however long it's been. It's been a while. But Josh Gordon has to, has to wait until he's reinstated by the league uh, before he can do anything with Seattle. Now, to be honest, even with Josh Gordon coming back, even if he is reinstated, I can't say that you should pick him up either because the the wide receiver situation is likely just going to be DK and Lockett with a little bit of Josh Gordon sprinkled in. He's 29 years old. They don't really pander to using the third wide receiver like that. Just go look at the third wide receiver over the past couple of years and look at their numbers. You remember David Moore? No, nicey. Why? Because he's not a guy. The wide receiver number three is not a guy that they use heavily like that in a passing game. If anything, we're gonna move forward with anything. Greg Will, Greg Olson is gonna be the third target, the ter- the third pass catcher over the third wide receiver. And you th- you may be thinking, well, Greg Olson's old man. Like, why would you even talk about him? Because he can still play. Now I know what you're thinking. Like I said, oh, he's old. He's not. He's injury prone, and you know he misses games and blah 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 blah. That's all true, but my opinion, the reason he missed those two years in Carolina was because he refused to get that foot surgery. Now he did miss two games in 2019. He played 14 games, but the reason those two years put a big dent into his status as the Iron Man tight end because he didn't miss a game before those two years, but he got that foot injury. He didn't get the surgery and it cost him two seasons because he tried to play through it. You know, it healed up a little bit. He thought he was good. And then boom, he was done two years in a row. Then his final year in 2019, he got the foot surgery in the off season. 
came back and played 14 games. He's still good. And you know Russell Wilson likes to target tight ends when they get in the red zone. That's what made Will Disley so popular. But you can't really rely on Will Disley. Will Disley played 10 games in his first two years combined. Just 10 games. Why do you think they went out and spent a million uh, $7 million to bring in Greg Olson? Because for the most part, he can last through the season. The first surge, the foot issue is gone. But Will Disley can't, he's made out of paper. He can't stay in the game. He can't, but he's, when he gets into the red zone, Disley was one of the guys that, he, that they like, that Russ liked to target. Now those targets are going to go to Greg Olson. He's one of my, he's one of my sleepers at tight end. I like to target him at the end of the draft because I know most of the time, nobody's going to target Greg Olson. But if you watch how the, the Seattle Seahawks run their offense, he's one of the guys that they use down there. You know, they throw him a couple targets down the way, you know, down to, you know, as they get close to the end zone. But once they get in there, Greg Olson is going to be one of those, one of those guys to target either him or DK. And then you get some freak nasty stuff from Tyler Lockett. I, I still can't get over that. But Greg Olson is one of my sleepers at tight end. Uh, if you think about it, it's not not a bad look. Now let's keep going throughout the division. We got the Rams coming in next at nine and seven. The passing offense was pretty good last year. They ranked fourth in the league, but their rushing offense obviously sucked. Twenty sixth in the league. No more Todd Gurley. They bring in the rookie Cam Akers, who should be the running back to to start the season. But I guess they're going to go to the respect route and give it to Malcolm Brown and let. Let him waste carries and, you know, average 3.2 yards per carry. And then they're going to turn it over to the young buck. But McVay's got it in his head that he wants to run a committee with Brown, Akers, and Henderson. Why, I don't know. Cam Akers is the better talent. But before we really get into that, let's talk about Jared Goff. He finished the QB 13 last year, over four, over 4,500 yards. Um, he's not a bad quarterback, but behind that offensive line, opposing defenses smell blood. The Rams were one of the most blitzed teams last year in the NFL. And because they had issues on the offensive line because of injuries, you can't really say, you know, that that wasn't going to happen. But Jared Goff, is, he's still pretty good. He's still pretty good. He had 22 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, but he was under duress. He had no running game. And he had to chuck it, plain and simple. You saw that in the Bucks game. That that Bucks game last season was crazy. He was throwing the ball all over to you. Oh, I think he had over uh, 40 passing attempts in that game. He just, he was missing pieces. And then you go later down the stretch, the offensive line got worse. They had to switch to 12 personnel. Things started changing, and then he started looking better. So... Now the offensive line is healthy. You're coming into a new year. Um, people are kind of fading Jared Goff back a bit. Um, he's a quarterback that you could target late in rounds. Um, he's not going to cost you too much. And, you know, they Jared Goff looks good in 11 personnel. To my, He looks good in both. He's been good in both. If you get a good mix of both of those in, coming into this season, I think Jared Goff can surprise people and bounce back. I don't have him as one of my bounce back 
uh, comeback players, but I don't think he's fallen enough where you have to look at him like that. He's got, um, he's got some more weapons coming in. You got Akers, who's a talented running back um, out of college. Uh, that's who I think that they should give the rock to um, from the start. Like, forget all of the running back by committee stuff. Brown has Brown has shown you that he can't handle. You can't. He's not going to get a full workload. And when he did show you, when he had the opportunity to do that last season, when you started a committee off with him, Henderson and Gurley, he gave you squat. Henderson gave you squat. And now Henderson's banged up before week one. We don't even know if he's going to play. So you have Malcolm Brown versus Cam Akers against uh, Dallas. If Cam can put on a good show and show why he needs to be the number one, there's no sense in starting continuing with a committee. You know what you have in these two guys that you already have on your team. Brown has shown you he's not the guy. Henderson, I would be a little more lenient on. You know, you got him in the third round. You didn't really use him that much in 2000, um, 2019. I would hold out for Henderson to bounce, you know, to, to change, but not Malcolm Brown. No, I'm not going to sit here and advocate for Malcolm Brown when you got a rookie who's talented and can get the job done. I, I just don't see the point of using a running back by committee in that situation. Then what you draft him for, what you draft him in the second round for, if you're just going to put him in a committee, you normally take running backs that high because they're they're ready to start in the NFL, in my opinion. Otherwise, it just looks pointless, which is also why it's a head scratcher that you take Henderson in the third and he's not the guy. You go running back two years in a row. I don't know. Maybe McVay is outsmarting himself. He's a smart guy. You know, he gets paid to do it, but it just doesn't make sense to make those kind of moves. But if they give Cam Makers the ball, I think he's going to be he's going to show you why he should be the number one in that offense at running back. Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the second best running back projected to be the second best running back behind Jonathan Taylor this season. He missed he made 75 missed tackles last year in college, ranked ninth most in at the college level. So you mean to tell me he can't be shiftier? Then Malcolm Brown, you're going to give the starting job to Malcolm Brown for week one. When Cam Akers has played behind a bad offensive line in college at Florida State. Hmm. Like I said, he gets paid to do this. I, you know, I'm just giving my opinion. Now you go to the wide receiver position. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are your main guys. Um, I don't know why people people are afraid of. I get the sense that people are afraid to draft cup because of the fact that when they switched over to 12 personnel cup was coming off the field. You saw it in the first half of the year. Um, cup was basically unstoppable when the offensive line was, was gelling um, over the first eight weeks. He over the first eight weeks of the football season cup was the wide receiver two in PPR. He was crushing it. I should know because I had him on one of my fantasy teams and I was getting hate from my, my league mates in one league that shall not be named top tier. <laughs> Excuse me. But Cup was crushing it. And then when you get to after week 10, from week 10 on the final six games, he was the wide receiver 35. That's a big drop. He took a hit in snap shares. 
Uh, he was coming off the field. They were when they were switching to twelve personnel. Higby was getting all those looks, which is why Higby blew up the way that he did, and that's why he's gotten so much hype this off season. Because the word now is that they're going to switch to a, they're going to use twelve personnel more. That's all fine and dandy, but you still want to have a guy like Cooper Cup out there. Robert Woods is not coming off the field. He's going to be out there. So even when they switch to twelve, you'll likely have him and I think uh. Van Jefferson come out and be those two wide receivers. And speaking of Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson, according to camp reports, he's jumped over Josh Reynolds. So now you know that the the Rams run 11 personnel a lot. If they start to mix that in with 11 and 12, Van's going to come out there. So you're looking at somebody who could be a low-key good bet um, in three wide receiver sets. Because you know that, you know, the Rams, that's what they do. Three wide receiver sets all the time. And Josh Reynolds had value when Brandon Cooks went down. So keep your eye on that young boy, Van Jefferson. Remember remember I said it. Keep your eye on him. Because he could benefit from that role. Especially if he's over he's overtaking Josh Reynolds for that third wide receiver spot. But I think um with the amount of t- with the amount of passing work that's left over from Brandon Cooks not being there with the amount of volume that they already sport as one of the top end passing offenses in the league. There should be more than enough work for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup to get get it done. And you could sprinkle some Van Jefferson in there. He might not he might not kick off in the beginning of the season, you know, because it might be a little rough for offenses as opposed for defenses, you know, because you're learning, you're coming in as a rookie, you're learning a new system, you're trying to get acclimated to everything. But mid, maybe midway through, he starts to crack that wall. Maybe we're talking about him on waivers coming up as being one of the top waiver picks after a blow up game. Now we move over to Tyler Higby. Um, what hasn't been said about him already? The last four weeks, when they started to switch over to 12 personnel a little more heavily, he was a tight end one over the final four weeks of the season. I mean, 10 through, you know, 10 through 16, you know, I don't think anybody really counts. I mean, if you want to add week 17, you know, that it was, that solidified it. But over the final four weeks of the fantasy season from weeks 10 to 16, he was the tight end one. He was better than Travis Kelsey. He was better than George Kittle. You saw how they were using him in offense. It's just, that's how good he was. And Jared Goff relied on him to get it done because Cooper Cup wasn't out there. When Jared Goff targets Cooper Cup while he's out there on the offense, his passer rating is excellent. But he wasn't there, so he had to rely on somebody else, which is why Tyler Higby gets that buzz. As mentioned before, if they start mixing him in, more in 12 personnel, Tyler Higgins is going to be that dude, which is weird because you had Gerald Everett there and they want to make use of him too in the offense. But you had, I think they kind of, this is just my opinion, but I think they kind of blew it as far as not trading Gerald Everett. You had an opportunity to maybe pilfer offensive lineman from another team looking to trade for Gerald Everett. You know, you need some youth in there, maybe some extra bodies, maybe a guy who can, come in when there's an injury and you know your offensive line doesn't miss a beat you kind of 
kind of blew it there, in my opinion. But what do I know? You know? <laughs> All right. Now, finally, we go to Arizona. The Cardinals were 5-10 and 10 last season. They made an effort to shake things up. As mentioned before, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They don't have De- uh, David Johnson anymore. He's with Houston. They tendered Kenyon Drake. Kyle Murray is a cure, is a quarterback who has high expectations thrown on him this year. You have one of the best wide receivers in the game now. Um, he's definitely going to be a heavier, heavier part of the offense when you pay him that much money. Because you don't pay a guy uh, $27 million a year in 2000, 2023 and 2024 to give him 100 targets. And that's one of the skeptics. That was one of the skeptics of DeAndre Hopkins coming over to Arizona because you saw how they spread the ball around. But they don't have, to be fair, they had to do that because they didn't have a legit number one. Christian Kirk is good. He's a good sidekick guy. He saw over 100 targets uh, last season. But he's not a legit number one. Hopkins is a legit number one. And Kyler Murray is a decent quarterback. And I use decent just because, you know, it was his first year. He finished the QB eight. That's pretty good. But you want more from him. He threw 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions last season. That's a good start. But we want more. He had four rushing touchdowns. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry as a quarterback. That's decent. That's really good. If you can combine, if he can improve as a passer, get those uh, more attempts. You have a, le- a legitimate number one wide receiver now you can rely on. Defenses are going to try and take him away, but even still, you can pass the ball around. You got, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is old, but he's still catching everything. That's the Frank Gore wide receivers right there. But he had over 100 targets last season. So he's showing you that he can still get it done, even if you're only going to use him um, in shorter parts of the field. Kenyon Drake is there. He finished the RB 17 and he only played 10 games. He had over 170 carries, over 800 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, 68 targets, 50 catches, 345. Kenyon Drake is, I think Kenyon Drake is in for a really good season this year. Um, the, uh, The style of offense that they want to run Clingsbury wants to run is more up tempo. I think when you when you do stuff like that in balance, like you we've seen up tempo offenses before, <coughs> Chip Kelly, but we've seen them work and we've seen the detriment of it. If Clingsbury can find a good balance, you know, opportunity to use an up tempo offense, keep defenses out, get them tired. Drake could have a great year. They have a number one wide receiver that could take some attention off the line. Drake can catch out of the backfield. That's one of his biggest assets. The opportunity is there. Nobody else is going to take any carries from him. He had uh, over 70% snaps here last season. Who's coming in to take more work from him? Well, you like, oh, where, where did the other 30% go? Chase Edmonds. He was giving him a break. Chase Edmonds averaged, what, eight carries a game at 30% snap share? That's squat. Chase Edmonds' value lies 
in an injury. If Kenyon Drake goes down, Chase takes over. But that's about it. Kenyon Drake is the guy. They're going to use him until the wheels fall off. So that's just that's just how it is. That's how his fantasy value is going to go for Kenyon Drake. I really like him this year. I have him a lot across my fantasy teams. I He's one of those he's one of those running backs who has an opportunity to make big things happen, you know, barring injury. We've already talked about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit. Um, We already know what he gets into. He has. He's had a high catch rate the last two seasons. Uh, I think it was 2019. He had a 69 percent catch rate. And then last year, no, 2018, excuse me, a 69 percent. percent catch rate and then last year 70 percent and that was a down year compared to his yardage and totals from the previous years his hands are like glue he just that's just what he does he catches everything you know christian kirk larry fitzgerald those are guys that you could pay attention to but i think if anything if i had to pick another guy out of that group aside from deandre hopkins it'd probably be kirk I think he's a dangerous weapon downfield. Um, Larry is, he's going to be used more in your shorter range. He might catch a bomb every now and then, but he's a, he's going to be your release valve. Cause they don't really have any tight ends. Max Williams, Dan Arnold, the one and twos. They're not guys that you can rely on like that. They're not, they're not good. So you're going to rely on maybe Larry Fitzgerald playing that pseudo tight end role. And that's it. Your wide receivers, they have a deep wide receiver core. You know, they have weapons. They just got to make a push. And it's kind of it's kind of bad because the, because of the division that they're in. You have, you know, all these other teams are playoff bound. San Fran, the Rams could get in if they, you know, if they get it together. Seattle's always in it. So they kind of have an uphill battle. I don't expect them to come out of division with the win, you know, to, to make the playoffs. But they could definitely make some noise. They got a, they got the juice to do it. So it's just going to be fun watching them play. If I had to pick a team to come out of the division, um, I think it's going to be Seattle. They just they just done it. I mean, take the division, not make the playoffs. They're going to take the division. They, they I think they're just better built um, offense-wise. They don't have any issues. that have one of the better wide receiver cores um, out of the whole – the more – I I can't say that. That's kind of tough because you got the Rams. They have Woods and Cup. You have, you know, DeAndre now over at Arizona. I'll give the slight edge. I still give the slight edge to Seattle. We haven't seen what DeAndre does there yet in AZ. So until we do, I'll, I'll give the nod to to Seattle. Lockett and DK are a bad one and two punch, man. So that's who I got taking that division this year. But that'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys always checking in on us. Really appreciate it. My guys will be back. I know I keep saying it, but, you know, scheduling happens. We all got lives and families and stuff like that, so I can't really harp on them not being here. Mark can't be here because, you know, this time we kind of recorded, you know, on Tuesday, and he's got to work, so I can't hold that against him. But feel free to harass him online. You know, oh, man, we missed you again. You know, where you been? You know, holla at both of them. Jalen, too. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter 
You can follow me, Will, at Hype underscore Finest. You can follow Jalen at Ace underscore ECA4. And you can follow Mark at McNucks on Twitter. You know, holler at us. Tell us tell us why you miss Jalen and Mark on the show. You know, let them know. Let them know they're supposed to be on the show. You know, but scheduling happens, so I can't, I can't harp on that too much. But again, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the finest, thefantasiesfinest.com for more news, updates, player information, all that good stuff. And updates on the podcast. And like I said, hopefully Friday you get to find out who that new special guest is. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy's Finest Podcast. Be sure to join the community on Facebook and follow us on Twitter too at the Fantasy's Finest. See you next episode.